Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Live! I love that pump-up music. I don't know if Tom Fernelli here as a hashtag believer or Bud Elliott here heard that as well but uh, or if you tuning in live we see you right now uh, subscribe youtube.com slash cover three if you're listening to this on the feed then uh, there's an opportunity not just tonight but it, with every instant reaction show we are going to be going live on YouTube so if you want to drop your comments if you want to drop your uh, questions we will have a chance to at some point in the episode address them but as we sit here at week zero and as we have uh, UCLA, you know, in the books, we still have a couple games left. There is a very, very passionate opinion here on the show that we have to address, right? I mean, it, like Tom Fernelli, Bud Elliott, is there anywhere we want to go other than what this means for Illinois? Or do we want to go what it means for Scott Frost first? And honestly, I feel like the decision needs to be Tom's, Right. Bud, will you say that Tom has gets his choice of which way he wants to take this? I mean, I know I, I want to take it. I think it's the same place Tom wants to take it. I, I think we got to start with Scott Frost. Okay, okay. I mean, is he fired yet? Not yet. No, I would no, not no, no, fire no. him yet. No, I would not fire him yet. But he got his ass out coached. Uh, yeah, I. Brandon Peters yeah. went down. We had Art Sidkowski. Like, Brandon Peters went down so early that we had enough time to readjust. And because we didn't have a lot of college football games going on, it wasn't like we were distracted by anything else. But the idea that Art Sitkowski entered the game and beat you the way he did, the fact that he put together a 14-play, 75-yard drive to start the third quarter on your defense... Like, you had half time to adjust. And it's not like Artsikowski, based on everything he did at Rutgers, provides this blueprint of like, oh, goodness, well, we weren't prepared for that. He does so many things different that are good that the other quarterback, Brandon Peters, does. Like, there's nothing there. I just, I don't know. I will I will admit, I mean, this is a podcast that hasn't been that kind to Art Sitkowski over the years. No. And... When Brandon Peters went down and I realized it was his shoulder right away and he was done and I knew Sitkowski was the backup. I was I was very I was in a very good mood at that point because things were going well for Illinois. But then it was like, oh, all right, well, season's already screwed. We're done. Art Sitkowski's coming in and now we're gonna have to be in that familiar position, kind of like they were last year when Brandon Peters got COVID and the year before that when they went to their backup QB where they don't really have the quarterback depth that you need. And Sitkowski comes in the first Eight plays of the game, 
Biel almost got him handing off to a running back. His first eight snaps are all handoff, 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 handoff. Oh, his one pass was a sack. Yeah, he they, they did go for one pass and he got sacked. But other than that, he then he threw that one interception on his first actual pass, but it came back because of a penalty. But then he just kind of settled in and he's not he didn't play terrific, but he played very well. He was 12 for 15, 124 yards, two touchdowns. And I can't say he outplayed Adrian Martinez because no. Adrian Martinez made a lot of big plays for Nebraska because they had nobody else doing it, but he didn't make the mistakes that cost his team the game that Adrian Martinez did. Man, I, where to go with this? So you still have to go get your ass spanked by Oklahoma, right? Like, I, there's no way I'm yes. fired Scott Frost. Yeah. Like, I, 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 as an AD, I want a clean slate when I Scott when I when I fire Scott Frost. So I, I want Scott Frost to take all these L's coming up, and sure. then I can use that NCAA investigation that uh, I think I'll have wrapped up. You know, maybe by Thanksgiving. Maybe maybe Halloween, who knows? Uh, and then I will I'll go ahead and drop the hammer there. Um, it is inexcusable to lose a game to Art Sikowski. I have <laughs> Illinois over three and a half wins this year, right? With just like Tom does, and I don't feel good about it. Like if Brandon Peters is 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 out for a period a long period of time, I Which really maybe like. Even though we just stole a win there in my, my mind, um, I don't think Art Sikowski's good. And and Illinois, to their credit, got. Not even passable. Good play out of him today. I mean, he he hit the open guy. He was able to you know to kind of go through his reads. I know some of it was off play action. A lot of it was off play action. That's fair. But like, why why in year what is this year four for Scott Frost? Yep. 18, 19, 20, 21? Mm-hmm. Why in year four is is Scott Frost Nebraska team not ahead of a team that I think we all agree Lovey Smith maybe not terrible but just didn't do a great job with at Illinois. Like why why are they not ahead of of them now, I think that speaks to Scott Frost, right? Like he has not done a good job of uh, recruiting the right players, developing them, and then in the case with many of their best and most highly rated recruits, he has not retained them. Brendan Marcello had a really good piece on this on twenty four seven Sports that we talked about in a brainstorm meeting a couple weeks back, and I was, I was really happy to see it pop up, uh, you know, yesterday morning. I mean, dude, a number of their four stars that he signed early in that tenure just they ain't there. Like Nebraska does not have the players that Scott Frost signed because he didn't keep them around. He didn't get the right guys, and and I, I think his, I think his time there is up. Assuming they can find a way to get around that buyout, because if they can't, we may be talking about Scott Frost week one next year. The the other thing that I the problem that I think Nebraska has right now is all those things you mentioned are one hundred percent true, but there's also just the fact they're a poorly coached team. Yeah, like and Chip, we talked about it a little bit this morning on HQ when we were pre- previewing the game. Like Nebraska consistently makes mistakes at like the absolute worst times and if it happens once in a while fine if it's just a player error fine but time and time again they're either turning the ball over or committing a terrible penalty like the interception that they had on Sikowski pulled back by a penalty uh late in the first half while they still have the lead Adrian Martinez fumbles in the pocket Illinois scoops and scores in the very final minute of the half and then as you mentioned they go into halftime. They have the chance to adjust. They come out in the second half and immediately give up a very long touchdown drive to the line. That pretty much, I mean, Nebraska. That was the back. game. That was it. Yeah. And then in the fourth quarter, they're putting they're down two scores late. They're putting together a drive that they're going to make it a one score game. And there's a snap that goes over Martinez's head for a 16 yard loss. Thankfully for Nebraska, he makes up for it on the very next play by scrambling for a first down. But then you're under four minutes. In the fourth quarter, down two scores, 
and they're taking like half the play clock to run each play. Like they're sitting there doing the thing where it's like, oh, got to check the sideline for the signals. Like <laughs> you should be in a hurry up. What the hell are you doing? You're down two scores. And I mean, it's just it's it's a consistent thing that there's really you look for the reason to be optimistic. Like you look for a silver lining if you're a Nebraska fan and say, OK, well, that's the one thing that we have that at least gives me reason to think that this is going to get better. What is that? Nothing. Let me know in the comment section if you find it, because I, I, I don't see it. <laughs> no, yeah, ab- absolutely nothing. And that's where I like I go back to the idea that this Nebraska team doesn't look good. That Scott Frost in three years has not had a bowl team, and that the team that I just saw play in Champaign does not look like a bowl team. It looks like a team that's going to go four and eight. And I'm willing to entertain that you go pick up a win against Fordham. You go pick up a win against Buffalo. You get thumped by Oklahoma, and then you get into the Big Ten schedule. But I don't think that this team that played today is going to win a lot of games, even against this Big Ten schedule, a Big Ten schedule that avoids uh, a lot of powers, a Big Ten schedule that could set up potentially for a bowl season. I'm... I saw nothing from today that would give me confidence if I was a Nebraska fan in Scott Frost. If I'm betting whether Scott Frost will be the head coach for 2022. Uh, and, and all of this is regardless of the NCAA stuff, which I don't even, I don't care about as we talked about here on the podcast. Like I improper use of analysts. Uh, we coached them at a time when we weren't supposed to coach them, whatever. I do not care, but like, <laughs> The way that, like, even outside of the dumb penalties, which might be execution related and player related, where you would say, like, hey, it's on the coach's job to be able to to get you ready for this. I still think that this team is just really poorly coached, right? Yeah, it, there's this weird thing with Pat Fitzgerald teams, right? And he, he tweeted that me the other day, so maybe he's listening now. Hopefully, where they they routinely outperform their expected win total, right? Mm-hmm. And they also, like, they routinely outperform their post-game win expectancy. It's like, wow, how do they win all these games where they're only, like, expected to win it based on how the stats played out 48% of the time? Nebraska, I've definitely lost some money on them in recent years because their their kind of baseline stats suggest that they should be better. And today, if you look at it, right, they, they outgained Illinois. <laughs> Yeah, they, they did. All, the box score sells a totally yeah. different story than what we they saw. Also out, you know, they outgained them on a per-play basis as well, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not just like obviously you know, Illinois lost a, lost a possession because of the, you know, the, the defensive touchdown. Uh, but, man, like they're not consistent on a down-to-down basis really at all. Mar- Martinez had a 75-yard run, which is great. But it was but a pass else, play that wasn't yeah. even designed. Like he went right. to one, two, three – saw that he had one person to beat and it was like blitzing from the outside. He beat him and then he took off. That was mm-hmm. and, and we've known Adrian Martinez can do that since he was a freshman, which is why we bet on him as like, hey, I tell you what, that's somebody that's going to take a big leap. And we're sitting here and he's a senior and he hasn't taken a big leap. And they really like they took a long time to adjust to what Illinois was doing. I think Illinois was up what 30 to uh 30 to 7 30 to yeah, 30 to 9 or 30, 30 to 9 it might have been, yeah. Okay. You know, and then they get the 75-yard run, and then they, they get a really, really long touchdown drive allowed as far as time, which to Tom's point earlier, 
I think they're probably okay with giving up. They probably don't want to give up the score, but still. Um, man, I just... There's, some, of the, some of this yardage feels fake, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's like, you know, Adrian know. Martinez is... He gets a lot of crap from Nebraska fans, and he deserves plenty of it because he does make a lot of mistakes. And there were a couple of throws today where he had wide open receivers, and he just airmailed them by ten yards. But the other problem is there is nobody else on that offense that any defense has to respect. Like unless Adrian Martinez is making the play, who is the playmaker? Because the running backs on that team, if you take away Martinez's rushing output today, I think they averaged 2.3 yards per carry. The bigger plays they had in the passing game were a wheel route in which the marquee step was just completely left uncovered. It was a blown coverage. It's like unless Illinois was blowing a coverage or Nebraska was running a bunch of pick routes to kill the umpire, <laughs> which nobody also, on Nebraska <laughs> could get open. Yeah, I mean, Oliver Martin, Samari Torre, you know, Omar Manning, just not impressive. Like, yeah, just like they're not terrible, but Illinois is. Illinois Tom, they, does not have worst? an NFL secondary. Yeah, so are, are they the worst Big Ten defense they're going to face? Maybe Purdue? I, I think Illinois is better than Purdue. But yeah, I okay. mean, it's like if you compare Illinois defense to the rest of the Big Ten and the other teams that they're going to be facing this year, if they're having trouble creating separation against Illinois secondary, it's going to be a very long season offensively. So I liked Marquis' step in this game. I thought that he did a good job, like the wheel route coverage bust, sure, but then he showed up and then he had what a, a hard run, like seven or eight yards to be able to like set him up in there. Yeah, but he finished with ten yards on three carries. <laughs> but they were a hard ten. It was a hard ten. I mean, that's that's the best thing I've got. You asked who, what skill position players intimidate you? I like I like Marquis Step at, at USC. You know. Like, I, mm -hmm. I thought he was a pretty good player. Um, I don't like, know, I, man. I feel like Illinois has the better skill talent than Nebraska, which is a crazy thing to think with when you consider why Lovey Smith failed at Illinois, why Brett Bielema was brought in, and what Scott Frost is supposed to be doing. And you look at Nebraska's recruiting rankings, but if you look like at the best skill position players in this game, how many guys deep are you in before you finally name the first Nebraska player? That isn't Adrian Martinez because Mike Epstein rushed for 75 yards, averaging nearly five yards per carry. Uh, Isaiah Williams had six catches for 41 yards. Luke Ford, a tight end, had three catches for 30 yards. Deuce Spann literally converted from quarterback this camp. Illinois fans found this out today. <laughs> that Deuce Spann was now a wide receiver. He's catching 45-yard passes down the sideline. It's just... Uh, it, it was... It's a terrible look for Nebraska, and it was a very good game for Illinois. But even so, it's like I'm super thrilled Illinois got that win. But like you said, Bud, I am not all of a sudden super confident that this is an Illinois team that's going like six and six and going bowling. Like I'm, I'm very nervous about UTSA next week. Well, let's yeah. dive into that. Okay, so where, like, uh, you you think this is more Nebraska, basically? Well, I I'm think. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Tom. I'm just, I, I think that, like, we talk about it, Nebraska beating itself. Like, if you think about it, they had that dumbass safety, and they had the fumbled, you know, scoop and score that they gave up. That's nine points. They lost by eight. And two missed extra points. And two missed extra points. So there's eleven points. They lost by eight. I mean, if they play this game tomorrow, are you picking Illinois? Yeah. No. I don't know that I am either. I think, right. Like, like clearly Illinois got some luck, but oh, I mean, with Sita well, like with uh, Sitowski. Yeah. But I was very impressed with 
I, I know this is kind of a platitude and like we, we maybe a crutch for sports media, but I do think that Illinois looked like it knew what it was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And like they had like, okay, maybe we're not that great. Maybe we're, we're not that multiple diverse. We're just going to do this thing that we do well. We're going to try to do it well. And I don't know, man. Better Nebraska, coached. I'm like, what, what are you? What are you, Nebraska? What are you? Poorly coached. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that, that, was the, that was evident today because if you look at like all the win expectancy stuff, like Nebraska was playing better for nearly that entire game, but one team was well coached and sticking to what it was good at, and another team was poorly coached and doing what it's best at, which is not what's good for it. Where's the Dino drop? Well coached. Also, yeah, special teams. Yeah, special teams are well coached. That's what Illinois has going for it right now. That's what Nebraska struggles with right now. Uh, Okay, any final notes on this other than we are uh, declaring what I think is going to be the the big narrative storyline that Scott Frost is on the hottest of seats in all of college football right now? I mean, okay. it, what Can kind they get of to a bowl odds? still? No, I don't know. I think I think today was like huge for them to get to. You a had bowl to game. have it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they've still got like they've still got Oklahoma, Michigan, Ohio State, and Wisconsin on the schedule. So there's like five losses right there. Yeah. I mean, and they're going to they, need. Yeah. And where and like what encourages you? What about Adrian? Because that touchdown was a coverage bust. Right. The. the 75 yards of Adrian Martinez, 75 yards of Nebraska's offense was the fault of Illinois. It was not Nebraska doing a good. So still, well, see, I hate, I don't want to take that from, cause he still made that play. He still recognized it and made that play. And at the college level, your opponents are going to make mistakes. You have to capitalize on them. So that's I have true. to give him credit for that. Hey, hey listen, and we're going to get to this. It's been fantastic to see bad quarterback play because it's really <laughs> reminded me that everything that I imagined that college football can be during this time is not true because bad quarterback play is prevalent at all levels of football. And, uh, and it has definitely been on display today. You know, one, one thing I want to point out here is we we talked about the post game win expectancy number and we talked about, Hey, Illinois was fortunate with turnovers and special teams play. And I am absolutely a believer that turnovers are mostly luck, right? Mostly, not all mostly luck. Mm -hmm. And that special teams plays are largely unrepeatable. You know, like if you have Devin Hester, okay, we'll chat. But other than that, there's a, sh- a boatload of luck. That's why teams, <laughs> Rutgers, who really m- might have had a crazy record, you know, one year because of turnovers and ridiculous special team stuff, it may not be repeatable year to year or game to game. But I guarantee you, when Bill Connolly comes out, and shout out to Bill for coming on the Cover Three Mailbag, a little short segment we did on the YouTube channel. Check us out there, like and subscribe, hit those notifications on uh, if you want to learn more about Havoc Rate. I guarantee when Bill comes out with that post-game win expectancy number here, it's not going to be Nebraska 90%, right? They only outgained them by, what, 50 yards you know, per mm-hmm. play, 5.3 to 4.9. That's that's not even a 10% per play edge. Like On, on a down-to-down basis, it is not as if Nebraska uh, was way better and just you know had bad luck here. I think the, the scary thing is they kind of played Illinois similarly on a down-to-down basis. And lost. Like, I forgive them a little bit if they just totally went out there and were clearly more, you know, better and just had, had turnovers like crazy. You know, since you mentioned Rutgers, here's a little fact. And maybe it's part of the reason why I wouldn't mind the Big Ten adding Kansas. Last 12 Big Ten wins for Illinois, six of them have been against Rutgers or Nebraska. Wow. 
Not good company to be in Nebraska. It's embarrassing for Rutgers. I mean, uh, yeah. well, all right, let us stand. <laughs> so Jared asked a question, Chip. Uh, is it safe to say Frost shouldn't have left UCF? No. No, definitely leave UCF. Yeah. Dude got generational money. Mm-hmm. He's rich. <laughs> I think he has to split it now, but like still, um, you know, like like he got a boatload of money. So, uh, no, definitely, definitely take take the check. <laughs> the thing is, with Trev Alberts as the new athletic director, I still think that Nebraska could go six and six, look awful, and Scott Frost keeps his job. You think? Okay. Well, yeah, I think I think that bowl is just like such a very because he hasn't done it yet. It therefore represents a step forward. But all like all he me, has to do is get to a bowl game. If they squeak to a bowl game by like beating up on the the worst teams and left on their schedule and then getting like blown out in Michigan, Oklahoma, Ohio State, you think he's going to get to keep his job just for getting to six and six? Correct. I think it all depends on if they really believe they can get that buyout reduced. Right? What I mean, what what is that job? It's twenty million though. But I'm saying, what is that job right now? It's a job that pays a whole lot, and with a new Big Ten deal, will pay a whole lot more. And you have really nice facilities and great commitment. So is it Matt, not like they're, they're not scrimping is, on it. Is that the Matt Campbell move? No. I, well, sure. Oh, look, so. look at us at August 28th talking about Matt Campbell to Nebraska. <laughs> Iowa, Iowa State fans came in here ready to mock Nebraska, and they're like, what? What the hell is this? It's what I want to sign up for. <laughs> I mean, stop trying to give our coach away. <laughs> I only have them favored, like clearly favored, in four more games, by the way. Let's see. B- Buffalo. Fordham. Fordham. <laughs> or, excuse me. Yes. Northwestern. Uh, yeah. And Michigan State. Uh, yes. I knew it. All right, good. And that's it. Uh, Purdue, excuse me. Oh, it's Purdue. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I don't know. State. I might say yeah. Purdue based on what I uh, saw. Again, like, like, at, at Michigan State at this point, it's kind of coin flippy. Yeah. No, I think that Purdue defense might change your mind soon, Chip. No, uh, maybe. I mean, I will go back to what I saw today and say that I don't think that team is a a team that's going to win more football games than it's going to lose. Fair. No argument here on that. Yeah. Um, All right. UCLA. I feel like we've got some balance here because on one side, they just took care of business. Like Bud's stack was crushing. He was like, I don't trust Chip Kelly in the non-conference. I think they might pack it in with LSU on deck, but I still think, that this UCLA team's going to get out there and get after it. And they did. So we got the first quarter cash. We got the first half cash. We got the team total over first half cash. All of it, bang, bang, bang. If you listen to Locks Podcast. And the three-way soccer style money line cash. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, because it was, what was the three-way soccer style money line? Remember, you, you could take UCLA, Hawaii, or draw in the first mm-hmm. half. So I had minus 210. <laughs> yeah. Winners. Um, then they, they, they pack it in, but I don't think that the game comes without some concern. I mean, at least for those of us that are trying to adjust our own ratings for this team, for those of us that are trying to project moving forward with LSU on deck, I don't think Torian Thompson Robinson was great. I think that you're excited about the offensive line. You're excited about the run game. 
but you still have some concerns with what the passing attack can be. I don't have any real way to uh, grade UCLA's defense because I don't have a high uh, rating for Hawaii's offense. So I'm curious to hear uh, what, if at all, y'all took away and sort of adjusted in terms of what we saw from UCLA against Hawaii. Well, um, it, it did play out pretty much like I thought it'd play out, which I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here. I'm just like, this is kind of how I thought it would work, right? I We knew that UCLA really felt good on both lines of scrimmage. Uh, I think it had 10 rushing plays of 10-plus yards in the first half alone. They were just mm-hmm. blowing up Hawaii's uh, you know, defensive line. And offensively, they were not allowing a whole lot of penetration. Uh, and they were also like not super creative on offense, right? They kind of just ran their their base zone stuff uh, and were you know pretty effective with it. I agree with you though. I, I thought that like I really was like I'm, I'm excited about UCLA against LSU next week. Now, probably not so much. I think we'll, I think we'll see some overreaction here to this line potentially. Um, the one thing is like the, did the tight ends look good? Yeah. Did UCLA's defensive line look like they've been talking it up all, all offseason? Yeah. I mean, I don't even think the tackles for loss numbers, you know, really maybe tell the whole story. I was watching that game because I figured you two would be watching Illinois and Nebraska more. We were. I mean, they had what seven tackles for loss and two sacks. Mm-hmm. That does not tell the story. I mean, they they really got after him every single play. They batted down, I think, three different passes. There, it was just the quarterback was constantly uh, under pressure, and they were always hitting the running back behind the line of scrimmage, and that. I think we can confidently say that UCLA is going to be a pretty damn good football team this year because they're going to win the lines of scrimmage more often than not, I believe. And I do trust Chip Kelly to scheme guys open. If Dorian Toss Robinson can hit them, that's a little bit different story. On the first drive, I was quite annoyed because he had a wide open guy <laughs> in the end zone and just, you know, just missed him. Um, but Hawaii was really not able to exploit anything on these guys. The, the big issue was UCLA did not hit the explosive play through the air, I mean, ten mm-hmm. of twenty for a buck thirty, um, you know, not not great there. But they also rushed for two fifty four, and they kind of did shut it down. What ten minutes left in the third quarter? Yeah, they they took their foot off the gas. I mean, this it kind of remind uh, like you said, I was more closely focused on the Illinois Nebraska game, but when I was watching this game, the two things that I saw were like, it seemed like every time I looked up, there were UCLA defenders celebrating in Hawaii's backfield <laughs> or Zach Charbonnet was pulling off a big run. And just from what I saw from the offense, cause DTR did not play that well from anything I saw, but it did kind of give me the Michael James, Kenyon Barner, Oregon offense kind of vibe to it. Just the way that they were able to run the ball and pretty much get anything that they wanted whenever they decided to run the ball. And as we've seen with chip, throughout his career if something's working he's never going to feel the need to deviate from it and that's exactly what was happening with this hawaii defense today he knew he would be able to name his score just handing the ball off so that's pretty much what they did and then in the second half it was like all right let's let's finish this thing up so these dudes are big and they play together like you could really tell like they they're on the same page that they're in sync if you come in there and you're lsu next week and you're not in sync you you could get run now i'm not saying lsu's going to get run because i think they probably will be Someone at sync, but and they were they were playing bully ball up front too, mm-hmm. and they weren't tricking people. It was just it, it almost reminded me a little bit when you when you combine like the big offensive line and the tempo. Do y'all remember 08 Oklahoma, the the Bradford team that Tebow mm-hmm. beat with that yeah. major right and those dudes? It was almost like that. It was like we're gonna go fast, but we're also really really big. We're just gonna push you around and then get up and kind of push you around again. Um, 
I think that's a pretty good team, man. I'm sitting on that 10 to 1 ticket in the South, and I, I feel good. Also, early in the year, if the game gets out really, really crazy, the algorithms in live betting do not necessarily catch up. They're dealing numbers like 78 and a half, 77 and a half, 76 and a half, 75 and a half. Go under. Teams do not leave their starters in as long as the computer thinks they do. Mm-hmm. So, how uh, did you make multiple live plays yes. today? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Love it. I, I bet it until it said your 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 limit on on this game is max, and then I switched accounts. I did lie. I did live bet the under on UCLA. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> this is almost I, like. Do you remember the old Miss LSU game when LSU won the title? E- they were dealing like they were dealing like old Miss plus yeah. sixty four at one point. I'm like, pretty sure. Sixty four is not going to be in long enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I was I was in the process of like working on my takeaway story for the Illini Nebraska game when UCLA scored its 24th point of the first quarter. And it's like, all right, what's the live total at here? So I stopped writing, went over, placed a quick little live bet on the under and went back to finishing my story. Yeah. Uh, Question from Jared is the best thing for Nebraska to do to go to a triple option. Yes. I mean, I would love to see it just for my own amusement. Yes. We need more option football. Adrian Martinez has not proven to be a legitimate downfield passer, but at the same time, I must admit that the wide receivers have not proven to be talented enough to get any kind of separation. I I do wonder if part of his overthrow issues are he feels like the only way he can complete the pass is to lead his guys forward and out of the coverage. And hope like the one play that Oliver Martin made, which was a deep pass in which he didn't really burn the guy covering him, but he got behind him. And he was just able to make a really good over-the-shoulder catch as Martinez led him with the throw. So I wonder if that's part of, even if it's subconscious, what happens with Martinez. Because he overthrows guys a lot. Can we? Can I ask you guys why can Nebraska not be Iowa or Wisconsin? I think that's a more reasonable question. Like I do not believe they can get back to what they used to be. But why can't they be, with the right coaching hire, the best team in the West? I think they can be. I I. Th- we talked about it. I was talking about it with Coca a little bit before the show started and we went live. I think that part of the problem and part of the reason I was happy when Illinois switched to the Brett Bielema hire and what he was bringing offensively is I just have serious doubts whether that kind of offense that, that Nebraska wants to run is effective in the Big Ten West with just the way you're able to recruit in the area and what you're going against. Because we've seen Jeff Brom try to bring a version of it to Purdue, which was successful at the beginning, but has since proven to be really difficult for them to find success with. Scott Frost is having problems with it at Nebraska. Lovey Smith, when he had Rod Smith running Rich Rod's offense at Illinois, they had trouble with it. Hell, we go back to Rich Rod at Michigan. He had trouble with it. It's like, unless you're Ohio State and you have the kind of talent that allows you to run anything that you want, it's not going to matter. I think in the Big Ten West, you need to be a little more physical and winning in the trenches. And I just don't think that's what this Nebraska program is doing. So if they do move on from Frost, I would try to bring somebody in who could play that style of football or who is at least willing to. So the 14-play, 75-yard, eight-minute drive to start the second half is just a boiling for anybody who's looking for that, right? Mm -hmm. Embrace it. Yeah. But Nebraska is not the kind of team that can go out and get that if the opponent is trying to stop that, though. They're not very physical. That's the thing. Like, how much time was left in the game when they they began that drive? Find us here. Wait, which drive? The 17 or the 19-play, 76-yard touchdown drive. There was there was nine minutes left, and it took yeah, six forty two. Took six something, yeah. I guarantee you, because Illinois is up what 
14 they were points up at that 14 point. at the time. Mm-hmm. Like they're not trying to let him score, but they're definitely trying to prevent him from, from having a, you know, a an explosive play there. Because then they figure if they do score, they're going to have a two for one down the stretch. And Nebraska was just super happy to watch that play clock run. I mean, my scroll. note was that Bielema loves the middle eight. I mean, we we have talked about this on the Cover Three podcast. This is like. I texted with Barton about it too. Like the middle eight is the most cheesy thing that any coach will talk about. But damn, there's a lot of statistics that say that winning the middle eight is a very, very good thing for football. And you go and you look at the way that Illinois played in the last four minutes, and it would have been the first four minutes of the third quarter in addition to the last four minutes of the second quarter. But guess what? That drive took up eight GD minutes. 14 plays, 75 yards, eight minutes right at the start of the half. Like when you give the ball back in college football and the other offense hasn't seen it for that long, that's how you run away with the game. That's how you take control of the game, run away and hide. And and like, I just thought in that moment, that's when I'm looking at my notepad right now. Like I was like, Frost got out coached and the note was made at the end of that drive, because I just realized, I said, you know what? Brett Bielema, guess what? <laughs> Somebody who's got Big Ten championships might be a good coach. And uh, and Brett Bielema certainly proved that, at least if you believe in the middle eight. Yeah, no, it was, we're going back to it. It was a very impressive performance from, I think, Illinois. They, they didn't, We yes, I, we'll just say it, Bielema outcoached Frost by a lot. No, no, no. Let's say it again. Brett Bielma outcoached Scott Frost in this week zero game by a lot. I agree. By a lot. And also, since you're in Raleigh, Chip, shout out to uh, Calvin Hart for transferring to Illinois from North Carolina State and immediately looking like the best player on the Illini defense. Is he CJ or Calvin? (laughs) Depends on Uh, the play. Calvin Hart Jr. I call him CJ. You know, I've, I've called him that since birth, but, you know, I don't know what he goes by. Um. And is he healthy, right? He got hurt for a little bit. He pulled up something. I don't know if it was a muscle thing or what. It might have just been cramps, but I don't know. This was about 100 degrees. I mean, who's who's used to 100 degrees in champagne? I wonder how the umpires are. We we, we talked about this. (laughs) Two umpires went out with injuries because Nebraska, like we mentioned, they have nobody that can get open. So they have to run a whole lot of crossing and pick routes. And Illinois was playing a lot of man defense, which led to like linebackers and safeties flying across the middle of the field, trying to keep their eye on the guy they're covering and not noticing the umpire standing right to them that they were about to run over. I know the first umpire got hit, left the game. His replacement came in. He got hit, had to leave the game for a bit. I think he came back in, but it was just its a rough day out there for everybody. It's week zero for all involved. So I think that's going to continue because we've been talking about the rub routes and that's been a little bit of one of those like very inside baseball contentious discussions on whether or not it's pass interference, offensive pass it. interference, defensive pass interference. Uh, I think that running the, the – because – what is it, guys? Mesh, right? Yeah. And it always mesh. Mesh <laughs> is going to crush some umpires in the 2021 season. That is my bold prediction. My boldest prediction based on everything that I saw from week zero in college football, and it is 7.55. We still have two games left to play tonight. But my boldest prediction is that umpires are about to get a lot of, like, 
you know, like left and right Wearing shoulder pads getting crushed in these games as everyone's trying to run mesh routes. Ban the rub route. <laughs> I hate it so much. It's it's so chicken word, I won't say. I don't know. Can we say it? Eh, whatever. I mean, we're live, so I if think we, we can't. Coco needs to tell me. I say it two, three times a show. <laughs> All, all I can do is like you have to give me the heads up and then maybe I can uh, bleep you out with like a how many games are going to win this fall? <laughs> Not six if you're in Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Speaking of teams that aren't going to win six games. UConn did not score a single point in a 45 to nothing loss to Fresno. So my lock was uh, not accurate. I actually watched this game and I was live betting at some. Um, Why? <laughs> Why? I, I think the best opportunity to bet is the first month of the year, right? Like before everybody realizes what's going on. If, if you're watching it and you, you feel good about what you're watching, like you're getting value. You know, I, I, try to pay I, for I, trying to pay for that baby moon chip. I, I hear uh, you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> this. all right. <laughs> I watched too much of this game. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. I was really uh token night <laughs> nice. <laughs> if you guys are watching on YouTube, you really should. That's pretty good. UConn loses first game since 2019. So um early on I was frustrated because I had um I had over 24 and a half first half points for Fresno. And UConn was an open field tackling machine. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like these Fresno kids can't juke UConn's defenders, and they were like I thought Fresno's offense looked good. They would get a guy open, and then UConn would shoestring him. And the first couple of tries, they didn't do a damn thing. Now, UConn's offense didn't do a damn thing all game. And I was listening to the broadcasters, and they were talking, and they said, well, by the way, we should note, UConn has several key defensive linemen out for this game, and they only dressed eight guys. By the way, we had another stoppage because the fan had to leave on a stretcher because it's 120 degrees on the field here right. in Fresno, California. I'm like, mm, I don't know, because Fresno wants to play like warp speed, and UConn only dressed eight defensive linemen who probably aren't all that good anyway. And it's 120 degrees. And then uh, in the second half, and really kind of the second quarter, after a, a nice uh, fumble six, that you had some you had some explosive plays for, for Fresno. They had, yeah, uh, passes of 37, 17, 61, 86, 22. That will that'll put some points there on the board. I, man, UConn's offense. I'm really not sure what they're trying to do defensively. I don't think they're that terrible. They're kind of physical, but. In the back end, Fresno was able to find some guys who really can't run, and eventually Fresno's quarterback had a lot of time to, to operate. Um, you know, the concerning thing here I have, and you guys got to remember this if you're somebody who wants to bet on Sunday for, for tomorrow, you know, next weekend's game, is that Jake Hayner went down after a, mm -hmm. a fourth down run, the, the quarterback for Fresno. He was having a nice game. He was 20 of 26 for 331, three tutties and a pick through a quarter, through a half and one drive in the uh, in the third. And guys, he didn't come back in the game. So I didn't catch it. They said on the broadcast, maybe the comment section will tell us exactly what it was if Fresno disclosed it. But the backup was not very good, right? I mean, 51 yards on 13 throws and a pick. That's That ain't great. Fresno has some playmakers. If Hainer's back, they will score a lot of points this year. I really like they were, they can run. Here's a hypothetical for you guys. All right. We're at, uh, it's the Bob Diaco Bowl at, at uh, MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, between UConn and Nebraska. Neutral field. What's the point spread for Nebraska? Oh, yes. 
Wait, run this by me one more time. It's Nebraska and UConn at a neutral field. How much do you favor Nebraska over UConn? Because Fresno was 28 and covered with ease. So where would we put Nebraska? After I would take Fresno to beat Nebraska. Uh, no, not Fresno, against UConn. Right, but I'm just trying to figure out in my head here. Oh, okay. Like, okay. So 28 is probably a fair spread. You know, it should have been a little more, obviously, with you know, post-knowledge. I, I'm you, thinking like 24? Yeah. 28. No, no, I no, would no, bet no. the 24 pretty hard, I think, Tom. Nebraska minus 28. Because, look, I don't think Fresno's defense is any good. And UConn had 107 yards. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't – and, and – I just don't think they would score against Nebraska. So you might have a situation too. I think Nebraska can score in, in the mid to high thirties. I, I do. I mean, mm-hmm. Fresno could have scored 60 something today if, if Hayner had not gone out and they wanted to, I think chips probably right with the 28. Yeah. My, my numbers gave me Illinois plus four, which is why I was going all in on the plus seven. Did you bet the alternate? No, I didn't bet the alternate. I told you, I just do regular, normal people <laughs> bets. I don't regular, do these alternates. I don't do these first quarters. I just I just do the normal, sweat it out. Because you know what I'm trying to look for for my R in ROI? Even. <laughs> that, that relaxation. Is, yeah, the, the game that I play, yeah, it, R is recreation. relaxation, recreation. <laughs> we are going for even is the way that we play. My numbers gave me Illinois plus four. So when I saw plus seven, I was like, yeah, let's let's freaking go. And then, is- you know, it, it paid off better than I thought, but that's what I feel confident about. No. Uh, UConn, Eddie High comments that UConn had 31 carries for 35 yards. <laughs> it is true. Uh, shout out to Kevin Mensa who had 31 of those yards. <laughs> I mean, Kevin Mensa had 31 yards and 11 carries. There's everybody else who got four yards on 20 carries. I mean, the thing that I'm worried about is that you're going to overrate Nebraska because of that 75-yard touchdown on the very first play of the drive where – he was like, Adrian Martinez looked at one, he looked at two, he looked at three, and then he realized that he had one player to beat, and if he could juke him, then he was going to be clear all the way. And that is one of those plays in college football, especially in college football, where I feel like it's kind of a snowflake. It's it's just, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's it's sensitive? Well, it, was, it was 75 yards. Those all of those seventy-five yards count as much as the nineteen yards that you took in sacks. I don't know if it was nineteen yards that you took in sacks, and we can talk about you know rushing yards, sacks, all those things. But still, it it felt like an anomaly compared to the down-to-down performance of Nebraska's offense and Adrian Martinez throughout the rest of the game. Um, do you guys watch the NFL at all? Yeah, yeah. All right, so I, I don't watch a ton of NFL, but like I was watching one night and. Was it the Patriots who did it to the Ravens? Maybe they they lined up like a tackle like way wide and, and they kind of do you guys remember this? And it was they were all up in arms and the league, like I think they said it was legal, but now it's not, or whatever. Fresno did something kind of similar today and it got it went for a touchdown, but it got called back because of they actually set a ridiculous pick while the ball was in the air and mm-hmm. crunched the guy. Did you guys see this score? It was neat though. Like they they put a, a tackle like super wide, they faked a bubble screen to him, a little loop-de-loop with the quarterback, and then they got a guy running over route. And kind of unnecessarily, the receiver just comes and picks him. But 
<laughs> That's a fun offense to watch if, if Hayner's back and healthy. I mean, we're talking about Kalen DeBoer. Yeah. He yeah. showed us good stuff at Indiana. Like, we're we're not surprised that Fresno State and, – and, Bud, you were big on Fresno State. Like, you you said that early. You said, uh, this is a team in the Mountain West. I expect to not just be a top-half team, but also be one that is uh, pretty strong. Okay, so I missed, I missed all their futures. Like they had some futures out there that were juicy, and I was just a couple weeks late on on realizing the value I needed to get on that. And then by the time people had bet them, uh, last stat on UConn: UConn did not have a drive of twenty plus yards until uh, the second to last drive of the game. Oh so, God! Yeah, I, they literally just did nothing the entire game. <laughs> their best drive was thirty nineteen yards on five plays. But but besides that, oh yeah, thirty four. <laughs> It's a solid, what, 3.8 per uh, per play? All right, so if y'all want to go hypothetical, UConn-UMass, what's the spread? Oh, I need to see UMass first, Chip. Come on. That's not fair. I trust Randy Edsel as a coach much more than Walt Bell, so I'll I'll take UConn. (laughs) On a neutral, I've got pick them. I I hope that we find out in the bottom twenty five playoff at the end of the season. I, I'm not laying points with either of these teams. No, it's right. it's it's the neither. It's none of them are good enough to be favored against anybody. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Bowling Green Akron, right? Like, yeah. like, give me the dog. Yeah, my my numbers say UConn is negative twenty four point oh five, and UMass is negative twenty five point seven. That's probably pretty fair. And remember, yeah. early in the year. The numbers are all pulled to the middle, and at the end of the year, some of those teams will be negative 30. Expanded, yeah. Um, New Mexico State, which I am on, plus 10, is uh, is my dead last team at negative 28.4. Need to find a stream of that game. Yeah, Flow Sports. That's the only option we have. Oh, Taylor. All right, this is. I love this. I'm looking forward, by the way, listeners. Um, if you want to watch youtube.com slash cover three, there is an option for you to participate in some of these instant reaction shows. Taylor jumping in. He says he's got UConn minus five against <laughs> UMass. Uh, Dominic has UMass minus two and a half. <laughs> I'm, play, I'm playing for the middle. <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely middle that. Uh, producer Coca, by the way, says that Hayner said post game that his injury was, quote, a full body cramp. Ow. That's got to suck. Ah, but not that. as much as like an Achilles or something. Yeah, 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 you know, that that sounds like I understand that my job is done here and we've got Oregon coming up next week. <laughs> and so I'm going to chill. It's like 100 million degrees out. Ow, I'm cramping, coach. Mm-hmm. Ow. Um, it, any yeah, other? Coach, I'm throwing over 13 yards per attempt. What, what more do you want? Here? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jake Hanner did a great job. Um, anything else on the notepad before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, Coca also dropped another note in. LSU football is relocating to Houston due to the Hurricane uh, Ida and will stay there until flying to Los Angeles on Thursday for the season opener at UCLA. Also, keep your eyes on Oklahoma Tulane. I got a note mm-hmm. from Joe Casiglione uh, today saying that they were monitoring the situation. Apparently, there's a lot of fans that were trying to get to New Orleans. <laughs> Isn't didn't I re, I might be wrong here, but didn't isn't Tulane going? I think Tulane's going to Birmingham for the next few days, isn't it? To try to just get out of town. I think I saw something like that. I might be wrong though. That's a typical evacuation spot for mm-hmm. New Orleans. Like I, I know after Katrina, a lot of families relocated Houston, Birmingham. So uh, as you're looking ahead to your week one lines, be sure to keep your eyes on that. Uh, that it is that week zero. 
Uh, Illinois is going to the playoff. Illinois. I will say, all right, my ceiling for the Big Ten West final standings based on what I saw today with the artiste Sitowski <laughs> having the performance he did. I'm going to say the ceiling is fourth in the Big Ten West. Wow. That's bowl game. Do they wait? I do not think Art can get them to fourth in the Big Ten West. I, I, I think Brandon Peters might be in trouble. I'm, I mean, I did not like anything. It's a non throwing shoulder, so maybe they can just shoot him up. Like he's not going pro. It's his last year, right? I don't know. Yeah, that, is, I have a feeling sixth. Brandon Peters is going to, especially after the way Sitkowski played today, I have a feeling Peters is going to do everything he can to make sure he can play right away. Okay. Okay, but he was a sixth-year player who had the Gatorade towel over his holder, over his head, riding into the tunnel like it did not look good. But he was back on the sideline in the second half. He's you know happy they were winning with his arm in a sling. So Tom, we we bought Illinois over three and a half at minus a dollar twenty. Mm-hmm. What is fair market value for that now? Minus two ten. Probably, yeah. I mean, I. I if they win next week, I think we could probably cash it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, yeah. they're going to be that Virginia road game is going to be difficult. But I think that you know if they if they get two wins out of their non con, I think they could pick up two wins in the rest of the. Uh, yeah, math in my head. If they pick up two wins in their non con against uh, Charlotte, I think is the other one, and UTSA. Oh, I did do some reading on Charlotte, by the way. Charlotte is weak along lines of scrimmage, mm-hmm. which I do feel like. Illinois is pretty Not decent. A great for, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, they're overvalued because we all love Will Healy. We all respect him as a head coach, and we all think that he is going to be a rising star in the industry, but the personnel does not match the hype. Illinois is going 12 and 0. I've, I've redone the math in the simulations. <laughs> so you've done the chipolytics. Yeah, the chipolytics. Uh, uh, when is the next Cover 3 instant reaction? Next week. That's when it's going to be. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, UTEP over tonight? Okay. <sighs> no. I I'm under- on the, I, I locked up the New Mexico State under, so I feel like that would be kind of a really difficult needle to thread. <laughs> Wait, you, you're not going to trade your under 60 for over 50 dot and a half? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, I, I did in live betting. I, I popped um, UCLA. Minus 35 and a half. I didn't mean to. I, I misread it. And so then I, I ended up waiting a couple minutes and, and found a plus 38 and a half on Hawaii and tried to middle that thing. Didn't. But uh, yeah. Uh, let me see here. Are you guys watching the uh, um, the Alcorn State game? Not at the moment, but I hope to. No, I'm actually watching the live instant comments, something that I'm looking forward to continuing to hit throughout, which. We've got UVA Illinois questions. That is, you know, we talked about it in some of our podcasts that the uh, the color scheme there is fantastic. I would give Illinois if Brandon, Pe- Steve, if Brandon Peters is back. I give Illinois the edge. If it's Art Sikowski, I give uh, I give UVA the edge. I, I lean UVA right now, but I do need to see UVA play. Yeah. UVA run defense, looking at my, my spring gleaning sheet, was one of the questions I have for him coming into this year. And I do think Illinois can run the ball fairly well, especially the left side. I mean, they, they were moving dudes. 
But Brock Mendenhall is a very good defensive coach. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that he's going to be like, hmm, I don't know. i got to fear Art Sikowski. If I'm him, I want to see it again, most likely. I'm going to try to load up against the run. Uh, yeah, because that is the entire game plan. We're going to give it to the accountant, Mike Epstein. He's going to get it done, and then we're going to be good. Get five yards of carry, be set. We are all going to feel so dumb when Art Sitkowski wins Big Ten Player of the Year. Yeah, that would be impressive. <laughs> that would be shocking. I do like the comment from uh, Taylor Smith. Hunter Johnson versus Art Sitkowski will be must-see TV. <laughs> That's uh, there's a term I want to use. I'm not going to use it. Um, all right, setting the over under at thirty six. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, you give me thirty six, and I'm taking the under. <laughs> what term do you want to use? I'll, I'll go ahead and bleep it for you. How um, many games are going to win this fall? I'll put, I'll put it in the private chat. I'm not sure. <laughs> that allowed yeah. to say? Hell yeah! I think I'm using that right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a snuff film. Yeah. And, and and thank you to Andrew. We're going to try to continue this every single Saturday night. You can follow him on Twitter 24 hours a day, seven days a week at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him on Twitter 24-7 at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, week zero just getting us started. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.